0: Let's see. Do we have theme music? I think we have theme music. not Not what I expected, but here we are. That's right, everybody. Fuck you. <laughs> Welcome to another show. This is Helpful Snowman Radio. We don't do anything in particular. We just kind of uh, do whatever whatever strikes my fancy. Uh, what struck my fancy this last time was uh, I came across a Wikipedia page for uh, defunct restaurants and was like, I bet if I look into this a little bit, there are some interesting uh restaurants with some dumb stories sure enough there are sure enough there are uh so i wanted to start with bikini's sports bar and grill uh for an obvious reason but also because um we did a whole episode on hooters right because hooters has kind of an interesting history um that's probably being a little generous to call it interesting. I mean, it's got a history of some kind. And uh, it's, you know, anyone can kind of just get on to Wikipedia and look at that history. So uh, that's what I did. But uh, Bikini's is apparently the original restaurant. Uh It was the chain was known for trademarking the term restaurant, a common term for this and similar restaurants which was, which is pretty awesome. Um, it, that came up later in, in Twitter after we did the last episode on this, but, uh, uh, you know, go back in the archives if you need the official, but here's what I really, uh, liked about bikinis. Uh, one was that they bought a, uh, a town. So let me see where this went. Well, okay. First they, uh, They had a loyalty program known as the Bikini's Black Card and people who had over a thousand points on their Black Card account would judge one of their in-store bikini contests. (laughs) Ooh, and in 2013, Black Card account holders got a chance to meet Carmen Electra in person. Now I'm trying to remember and sort of be like, what would have been like prime time to meet Carmen Electra? Because in 2013, it's twenty twenty three in twenty thirteen she would have been forty-one. Um I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe that was not um not prime time, but I'm not I'm not totally sure. It might not have been that far removed from it. Although now that I think about it also, uh just saying it out loud, I'm like, well, maybe the fact that Carmen Electra was appearing at a bikinis restaurant as a reward. You know, you get to meet her and, uh, that's what you get for having a, you know, a bunch of points on your card. Maybe that tells me what I need to know about, uh, about where, where her career was at at that point. You know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, the restaurant chain hosted a monthly bikini contest. Some of the contests were seasonable, seasonal, until February f- 2014, when the company began phasing out the contests based on the ratio of active wait staff who would sign up and enter in lieu of the newly established Miss Bikinis USA pageant. I don't know what this means. When, when the ratio based on the ratio of active wait staff wait staff who would sign up and enter. In lieu of the new... Oh, so they want to do a Miss Bikini's USA? And they're like, well, we can't have these local pageants? Is that what that is? Uh, here's, Here's the best part, though. Bikini's Texas. In 2012, some guy purchased the ghost town of Bankersmith, saying that he would rename the town to Bikini's Texas after his restaurant change. Guller said he would turn the town into a tourist destination with the creation of a Bikini Hall of Fame, which described the swimwear's history. Now, uh, first of all, the Bikini Hall of Fame. So what he's proposing there, I'm expected to believe that what the Bikini Hall of Fame is, is a Hall of Fame about the bikini. Not about what is being, uh, what is in the bikini, but about the, the swimwear itself. So, you know, ostensibly these bikinis could just be like pinned to the wall. Right? They wouldn't be on a model or anything. There wouldn't be pictures of women in bikinis. That seems highly unlikely. Okay, this is also awesome. So he bought this town, Bikinis, Texas. No plans were made to open a bikinis sports bar and grill restaurant in the location, but Guller suggested that a bar inside an abandoned bus could be possible. (laughs) So he bought a town, Bikinis, Texas, and was going to put a bikini hall of fame there, but. There was a no, there was not going to be a Bikini's restaurant. So this would be like if Applebee's bought, you know, a town in Colorado and they're like, we're going to call it Applebee's Colorado. And they're like, is there going to be an Applebee's there? And they're like, what? Uh, no. What the fuck? What did... (sighs) (sighs) Hmm. The... (sighs) Also, this makes me think the Bikini Hall of Fame sounds like it's just an abandoned shack with pornography inside of it, like bikini-based pornography, (laughs) right? I mean, it's like, oh, I'm not going to open a restaurant, but I'm going to open a Hall of Fame. I mean, not since the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened in Cleveland has something been in such an unexpected place. Um. Other events, oh, and by the way, a bar inside of an abandoned bus. Okay, sure. So yeah, it's like, well, I guess I could just crash a bus into a ditch somewhere and then put liquor in it. That seems fine. Um, A grand opening of Bikinis Texas was scheduled for July 13th, 2013. Country musician Jerry Jeff Walker was to perform and Carmen Electra was present to be inducted into the Bikini Hall of Fame. Other events which have been planned to be associated with the town include a Miss Bikini's USA pageant and a possible reality show. Bikini's Texas was reverted to its previous name of Bankersmith in 2015, so that's like two years later, reportedly in an effort from Guller to mend fences with residents of nearby Fredericksburg, where I've been, who were reportedly upset with the name change. As of January 2017, Bankersmith is up for sale. Do you think it's still available? Bankersmith for sale you can buy this texas hill country town for 1.5 million in 2020 it was for sale well that's something i kind of want to buy it and then be like yep guess what we're calling it bikinis (laughs) and we're gonna put a bikinis restaurant here how do you like that Also in uh, 2011, Bikinis Sports Bar and Grill filed a request with the Patent and Trademark Office to register the term Breastraunt. The term was successfully registered on October 2012 and was marked by the Trademark Office as unrevivable on May 24th, 2019. Uh, Huffington Post suggested the trademarking of Breastraunt was a consequence of the boom in Breastraunt sales figures in the early 2010s. So there you go. That's bikinis. I I just like the idea of like, sometimes some of these restaurants, you're like, what were they thinking? You know, like, I kind of get the idea of like, we're going to have this bikinis and we're going to have a town, but then you're not going to have the restaurant there. How does that make any sense? Here's what you need. Okay. You buy a little town like that. You put on like a nine hole golf course in the town. Uh, you have a bunch of bars there. You basically turn it into like a bro slash bachelor party paradise. Done. That's what you need to do. That's how you turn uh, a ghost town into the most town. Mm. You turn what was once the best town into the breast town. <laughs> but yeah, you basically you are like, look, this is going to be Boobville, USA. We'll have a fountain with like a uh, water shooting out of some boobs or something. I don't know. Contests of you know, Miss Bikini USA, I guess you could have there. Uh, isn't that what Miss America is or whatever? Miss USA. They still do a bikini contest, right? I don't know. All right. Next restaurant is called Bill Naps. K-N-A-P-P-S. Um, the only thing that I was looking at that I thought was this was pretty funny on this was uh, birthday and anniversary discounts. Bill Knapps was well known for its birthday and anniversary discounts. Diners visiting Bill Knapps on their birthday were entitled to a percentage of their bill based on percentage off of their bill based on their age. Thus a guest of sixty-two years old would receive a sixty-two percent discount. Those celebrating a wedding anniversary were treated to a whole chocolate cake to take home. And in some restaurants, managers gave birthday patrons a cake to take home in addition to their discount. While the cake was being presented, Bing Crosby's recording of Happy Birthday and the anniversary song would be played, blah, blah, blah. It was widely said that anyone over 100 would actually be paid by the restaurant, such as a 101% discount on a 101st birthday, and a man who ate at the West Lansing location for his 101st birthday received a free meal and a check for 1% of his bill, which was seven cents. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me so much that they were like, I guess we have to do it. And this 101-year-old man, I was like, did he know? And was he like, I'm going to go there and get a seven cents for my br-? I mean, that seems like exactly the kind of thing a grandpa would love right? Like not just a free meal. I'm going to make money on this because it's, a uh, you know, it's my birthday and it, like, they're going to pay me to eat here, which is nuts. You know, it's like you read these little things and it's sort of funny because you're like, well, some of these restaurants I can kind of see maybe why out of business here, have a cake, have 60% off your food. Especially if this was, like, the kind of restaurant where it's, like, old people love to eat. Because then you're like, oh, fuck. You're going to ruin... The, they're going to clean you out in no time. All right, next we have Boston Sea Party. <laughs> I guess instead of the Boston Tea Party. Um, it was a chain of seafood high-end restaurants that started around 1978 during the U.S. Bicentennial. Uh, that's a couple years late, but okay. The special occasion chain had a 1770s theme where waitresses wore floor-length colonial dress with ruffled mop caps. The menu consisted of an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet with an entree of choice of lobster, prime rib, New York strip steak, or fish. Most U.S. convention cities enjoyed a Boston sea party. In Atlanta, the (laughs) restaurant was located within the Buckhead community in a historic farmhouse with this decor consisting of beautiful stained glass windows from a former church, wine cellar, and one dining room with old brick floors. It is unclear when the chain finally closed for good, although articles seem to indicate the last restaurants open were in the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, I, I loved this because I'd never really heard of uh, a U.S. bicentennial theme. <laughs> Themed restaurant that seemed like a, seemed like an odd choice um, to me. I don't know. It's like because I don't think of the food from old times being particularly enticing. I mean, it's got to be. It had to be shitty, right? Maybe the food in old times was great because you're like, I just ate fucking bacon and eggs every day, and so it was kind of amazing. But I don't think that's the case. I feel like back then they were just like, I don't know. I invented this new recipe for bread that uh, makes bread last for two weeks without going bad, but I mean, it tastes like complete dog shit. So there's a give and take. I just, I had a handful of flour today, so I'm, I'm good to go. Let's build an entire barn. (laughs) It's weird to me when the like waitstaff too is kind of dressed for the occasion I never liked I had never liked those things like uh, when the waitstaff is like getting real into well, when they're made to get real into it, you know, like um, when we're talking about, let's say, uh, uh, a steakhouse where they have to dance in the they country line dance like on the hour or something. I never liked that because I was like, I don't know. This just seems like they have to humiliate themselves for my entertainment. And I, I don't particularly care. Cause I'm like, well, it's not like they're amazing dancers or something, and like, uh, I don't, it always felt to me too like you could go to a dinner theater. There are people around here who often went to a sort of nearby dinner theater that never seemed like a thing that I would enjoy. And I was like, they're always like the food's not that great, which I'm like, yeah, no duh, and you know the the theater part isn't great. I'm like, you know, maybe some things just don't need to be combined. Like, maybe it's just, like, whatever. Although, if I had to go to the theater, I'd probably prefer to go to a dinner theater than the regular theater. Because, man, the regular theater is boring. So, at least it gives you something to be distracted by. Uh, Bugaboo Creek Steakhouse. (laughs) Uh, There are a couple great things about this. So... One of the things here, so it was a Canadian-themed U.S. casual dining restaurant chain. So it was like, the theme of our restaurant in the United States is Canada. (laughs) And also, it was headquartered in Rhode Island. So it's like, I mean, people could just go to actual Canada. Also, at this time, it was founded in 1992. It sounds like uh, you could just go... I I don't think you needed a passport to go to Canada for a very long time, right? Um, But they had basic steakhouse offerings. Uh, Here's what I liked, though. Animatronics. From the time of the chain's opening until the bankruptcy, Bugaboo Creek was known for its novelty animatronics. Among the real mounts of bucks, deer, and bears, several recreated mounts would be fitted with robotics (laughs) to talk and move. Depending on the location, moose or buffalo mounts would be near the dining tables or at the bar, whereas a consistent Bill the Buffalo would watch over the customers coming into the dining room. The characters would break the fourth wall. Sardonically sardonically is way too big a word to talk about a Chuck E. Cheese kind of situation here sardonically referencing their status as perpetually trapped robots hanging above the guests who are happily enjoying the meals sardonically referencing their status as perpetually trapped robots don't mind me i'm just in a hell that i'll never escape enjoy your food (laughs) now see that's funny if you did that in a restaurant that would be hilarious oh welcome into uh what is this called Bugaboo Creek Steakhouse. I've only said that a thousand times today. I bet everybody sitting near me is real tired of it, but think how I feel. Oh wait, I don't feel anything. I'm a soulless machine. Definitely a soulless machine, which means it's not possible for me to feel this deep depression I'm feeling. So I guess that's good. That's comforting. Local restaurants would name these animatronics such as Moxie the Moose or Goose the Moose. Goose the Moose is a dumb name. It rhymes, but it's an animal that's a different animal. Classic flapping fish were included alongside raccoons or weasels who would pop out of wooden barrels. (laughs) After each restaurant closed, the non-robotic mounts were sold at local auctions, yet the locations of the talking moose and buffaloes are unknown theorized to have found other homes and other game-themed restaurants which by the way I was like how many of those are there other game-themed restaurants but then (laughs) I just like that they're like their whereabouts are unknown to this day uh pretty great classic flapping fish also so like Billy Big Mouth Bass I had a dream once of trying to put an episode of this podcast, you know, I'm always like, what's a weird format I could put this podcast into? And I definitely was like, you know, it would be really weird to put an entire episode in a Billy Big Mouth bass. (laughs) That would be fucking amazing. I haven't, like, totally decided that dream is dead, but it's probably dead, just as a heads up. Um, But, you know, if someone wanted to, like, uh, make that happen, But yeah, I wonder where these buffaloes are. Buffaloes is, you know, like where, where are they? And why is it like such a mystery where they? you know what I mean? Like what became of them? Why, where are they? Who knows? (laughs) But I mean, they must be saying, I, you probably can't re Well, I guess someone could reprogram them. Some guy reprogrammed a Chuck E. Cheese band to play a fucking usher. So I guess anything's possible. Um, I found a restaurant called Burger Chef, and which took me to the Burger Chef Murders. Um, they took place at a Burger Chef restaurant in Speedway, Indiana, United States, on the night of Friday, November 17, 1978. Four young employees went missing in what was initially thought to be a petty theft of cash from the restaurant's safe. By Saturday morning, it became clear a clear case of robbery-kidnapping. And by Sunday, when their bodies were discovered, a case of murder. While investigators believe they have identified some or all of the perpetrators, without physical evidence, they have not been able to prosecute those who remain alive. So, yeah, basically, there was uh, some murders. And uh, what I thought was really kind of horrible but kind of great is uh, there is a memorial... During the summer of 2018, the Speedway community, as well as family and friends of the victims, raised money to plant four red oak trees to honor the victims. Each tree is adorned with a plaque with a short biography of one of the victims. The original monetary goal was surpassed within 24 hours. With the extra funds, a marble bench was installed and dedicated to their family friends. And then on November 10, 2018... One week before the 40th anniversary, a small dedication ceremony for family and friends was held at the memorial site at Leonard Park in Speedway. So it's basically, it. here's what's weird about it. Like, I would have really hated when I worked at McDonald's to be like known as, uh, you know, the McDonald's murder guy. Oh, he was one of those uh, McDonald's murder victims, right? I'd be like, oh, God damn it. Like, I I always remember thinking if I was dying at work, I would, like, try and use every ounce of my remaining strength to get out of the building. Just to sort of, like, not die at my desk. You know, I'd, like, just go smashing through the window or whatever. Die in the parking lot instead of at my desk. Or, like, if I could just get in my car and get 100 feet away from the building, I would. I would do whatever I could. (laughs) Ugh. That That's just the worst, right? Because also you're like, I got killed while I was working at uh, Burger Chef. And everyone's like, first of all, what's Burger Chef? And then you're like, it's basically Burger King. All right, cool. But then also just like, oh, that's unfortunate for you. Like, who? no one gets killed working at the fast food restaurant. It's like he died doing what he loved, you know? If anyone, if I die at work and anyone tries to pull that shit with me, uh, you let them know. You you put them on notice. No, he did not. He absolutely did not die doing what he loved. Give me a break. Uh, Druthers is a restaurant, formerly a chain of fast food restaurants that began as Burger Queen. (laughs) Oh, good. I was like, I don't know, guys. Did you really think that was going to work? I mean, come on. Come on, Burger Queen. Although, now I feel like maybe you could get away with it. Because here's here's the move. The move is you open up Burger Queen, and it's like a a Hamburger Mary situation, right? Like a drag queen burger joint. Uh, something like that. That would be, that would be the way to do it. I think that's that's the move with Burger Queen at this point. There's also something about a giant bee in here. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh yeah, okay. the na- <laughs> The name was a play on the word Druthers, and the mascot was a giant female bee named Queenie Bee. <laughs> oh god um I, I i don't know why i was i just don't understand like why why would a uh giant bee what the what the fuck does that have to do with a possible like a burger restaurant i mean i guess a clown really doesn't have anything to do with a burger or a king <laughs> but at least a king i'm like okay that makes sense, because you're kind of doing this thing of like, this is food fit for a king. And the clown, you're just like, ah, kids like a clown, right? In a yellow jumpsuit. And you're like, somehow Ronald the Cl- McDonald is not that scary, right? I don't know. I don't know. Why is he not? Why is he a less scary clown? Just because we've seen him. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't have that, you know, they're like, oh, this is the tradition of clowning. And it's like, this is a berserk hobo clown. You know, and we kind of do the makeup up to look like he's flying on pills and can feel no pain. And, it, you know, it takes half the police force to bring him down. ho! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fun for kids. <laughs> oh, God. Um, this is the Kahiki Supper Club, a Polynesian themed restaurant in Columbus, Ohio. The Supper Club was one of the largest tiki-themed restaurants in the United States and for a time, the only one in Ohio. Um, It operated at its Eastmore location on Broad Street, blah, blah, blah. The Kahiki was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1997, but was closed and demolished in 2000. (laughs) It was described as an exceptionally important example of a themed restaurant and the most elaborate tiki restaurant ever built. It is really fucking big. It's uh, a 20,000 square feet, which seems quite large. Um, I think it's weird. I don't understand this whole like historic places thing because it seems like historic places. The whole point of that is then you can't just knock it down. But then they're like, well, we did it. And then three years later, we knocked it down. They, They also had a mystery drink. A cocktail served in a bowl with a smoking volcano in its center. Uh, It served four people and had eight ounces of rum and brandy. It was always served by the mystery girl, a server summoned with a gong and who only appeared to dance the drink to diners tables. (laughs) Fresh orchid lays were presented to the party. The lays were flown in from Hawaii two to three times per week. I maybe I'm starting to understand why this didn't work out. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know what we need to do? We need to fly in fresh flowers two or three times a week from Hawaii. Really? That seemed like a good idea to you. Like just financially also like we've got this drink and it's like, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe we've got like enough, uh, maybe there's enough fanfare on this one, right? Like, we, we have a mystery girl. We have a gong. I mean, come on, man. That seems like plenty, plenty to get things going. Uh, okay. This is one called Sambo's, which I had an expectation when I looked it up. And, well, I'll just take you on kind of the emotional roller coaster I was on. I thought I knew what this was going to be. Um... And it wasn't that. And then it was. So Sambo's was an American restaurant chain started in 1957 by Sam Battistone Jr. and Newell Bonnet in Santa Barbara, California. The name was taken from portions of the name of its founders. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. So it was a restaurant and it's called Sambo's. But they were just like, oh, let's just combine our name. Uh, Sam and Newell Bonette. And I was like, oh, all right. Actually, maybe this is fine. Maybe this is not going to be. And then the chain soon found itself associated with the story of Little Black Sambo. And I was like, oh, no. I wonder if they were like, oh, fuck. What is this? You know, we didn't know about this. But then... Batistoni and Bonnet capitalized on this connection by decorating the walls of the restaurants with scenes from the book, including a dark-skinned boy, tigers, and a pale, magical, unicycle-riding man called The Tree Friend. <laughs> <laughs> by early 1960s, uh, the, what is... Okay, hold on. Magical, uh, unicycle tree friend you know like i'm not really familiar with um little black sambo and i'm especially unfamiliar with the tree friend i mean part of the problem here seems to be that uh you know i (laughs) i would i it's not exactly an area of literature i've explored um well okay hold on maybe that's something they made up This is really weird, because then, yeah, then it turned into the 1960s. The illustrations depicted a light-skinned boy wearing a jeweled Indian-style turban with tigers. A kids' club, Sambo's Tiger Tamers, later called the Tiger Club, promoted the chain's family image. Uh, The chain filed for Chapter 11 in 1981. (laughs) So it's like... Oh, oh, yeah, okay. The Santa Barbara restaurant continued business under the Sambo's name until 2020 when it was renamed to Chad's after its owner at the time, Chad Stevens. The George Floyd protests against racism in the United States resulted in the owner of the restaurant changing the name of the establishment. I mean, <laughs> so this is like kind of a, a wild naming thing. So they had Sambo's. And by the way, the logo of Sambo's, the original... Uh, is like I don't a fat white chef guy. He looks like uh like the guy who makes cinnamon toast crunch. you know there used to be three guys and now there's just the one guy I believe his name is Wendell who I guess allegedly bakes the cinnamon toast crunch and then uh, then they lean into little black Sambo then they make up their own Sambo who's Indian uh, uh, maybe. And then they have their own Tiger Club and Tiger Chain, and then, and then, but they keep the name. Then they just change it to Chad's, which is like, probably doesn't, you know, nowhere near the bad association of Sambo's. But man, is Chad, like, could you come up with a worse, more generic name for a restaurant? I mean, Sambo's bad in the way that it's bad. Chad's also not great. You know what I mean like you you don't want to try any harder on the name. I mean maybe Chad was just like, "You know what? We're going to just call it fucking Chad's because no one's going to complain about that name. No one will no one will even remark upon it. It's just a guy's name and that guy is Chad. It's like the most generic shit ever. So there you go. <laughs> maybe maybe he was just like, "Let's just Whatever it takes to avoid putting ourselves in this situation. (laughs) All right, we've got Battle of the Dance, which was a dinner theater in Anaheim, California, featuring contrasting styles of dance, principally flamenco and Irish folk dancing. Sure, those go together. Performed by a cast of over 40 dancers. Designed to cash in on the popularity of such shows as Dancing with the Stars and So You Think You Can Dance, the venture was very ambitious. The brainchild of Medieval Times founder Andre Gelliber, of course. Of course this came from the Medieval Times founder. Backed by $10 million in capital and performing in a dedicated 40,000 square foot venue, performances debuted to much fanfare... <laughs> And the show met with critical success. Uh, however, the show never became a popular success, and it closed indefinitely just sixteen months after opening. <laughs> I'm here to show people first-class dancing in Southern California is one of the best places to do this. Oh my God! I mean, okay, here's closure. The sh- not closure is in like we got closure, just as in it's closed. The show never attracted large crowds. Part of the problem may have been the disappointing quality of the food, which even in the early going had been reviewed as so-so, and was later described as terrible and tragic. (laughs) One reviewer described his entree as criminally dry, macadamia nut crusted mahi-mahi, and also faulted the theater decor, calling it as chintzy as a community college lecture hall and saying, one wonders where that 10 million went. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Criminally dry. Uh, You know what? I made some fish a few weeks ago that was probably could qualify as criminally dry. It was pretty bad Um, and disgusting, by the way. But like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's... <laughs> They're just like, the food is bad. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. Dinner theater, right? It's like, um, you go there and it's like, maybe the dancing is really good, but you're like, the food sucks. And it seems like it's most rest. okay, most restaurants it can't seem to, it seems to be difficult to run a restaurant and to have like, food that people really like, and to sort of just keep that going. But then you also have uh, the challenge of, it seems difficult to run a theater venue. And so then you, someone was like, what if we did both together? We could have the difficulties of both of these things at the same time. (laughs) All right, here's Cafe Frankenstein which was a coffeehouse in Laguna Beach, California. Uh, the controversy. Frankenstein's steady diet of controversy started early, with police busts for spiking the espresso with brandy and for allowing a woman to be photographed nude against the inside murals. Both charges were eventually dropped, but the damage had been done. The last straw was when the local ladies' church league came down on them for creating a stained glass window of the Frankenstein monster. The Church League claimed that stained glass was only for use in the church and rallied the community against the Frankenstein. Have these ladies, I guess they've never seen, like, a lamp in a pool hall or a pizza hut. Owner Bert Schonberg threatened to erect a crucified Frankenstein down in front of the coffee house if they didn't back off. They did back off, but it became harder to get kids in the door as parents forbade them from going in. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that the owner was like, if you don't fuck off, what's going to happen is I'm going to put a goddamn crucified Frankenstein in the front. So keep going. This is not going to get better. So keep going if you want it to get worse. I can, you want to see how low I can go? You'll find out. Uh, this last one is Victoria Station. Uh, mostly because. Uh, Under the promotions, so Victoria Station, I think, was a uh, railroad-themed steakhouse. So, like, sometimes it'd be, like, in a rail car or whatever. But under the promotions, uh, there were some interesting ones. Alfred Hitchcock flipped the railroad switch for the official opening of Victoria Station Universal City on May 2nd, 1977. The... Restaurant there included a funicular, which carried patrons 600 feet up from the lower parking lot. That's pretty cool. Um, But this was my favorite. Singer Johnny Cash performed a promotional album of train songs for the chain titled Destination Victoria Station, which was sold in the restaurants. This included the title song of the same name written, and performed by Cash specifically for the album. Now I don't know if this is something that, like, Big Johnny Cash heads know about already so I'm not like telling you anything you don't know but uh, I thought this was odd you know (laughs) something Johnny Cash was doing now let's this was in 1975 so what was like Johnny Cash I want to see like where his career was at in 1975 because he definitely had a uh, you know revival in the 2000s probably Blah, blah, blah. Okay, Folsom Prison was in 1968, and San Quentin was in 1969. So, I mean, that seems like uh, not. Seems like he was doing pretty good. He had the Johnny Cash show on ABC. That ended in 71. The Man in Black. Hmm. Yeah, I mean okay, let's go to this discography here. I mean this seems like well within his you know his not didn't didn't seem like he was like totally done I'm trying to see it doesn't I don't think they have destination Victoria station on here by the way, let's see. Oh, they just have, they they count that as a compilation, so that's not on his, like, discography. That seems kind of like a cheat. So it seems like maybe he wasn't, like, at a low at this point, but, you know, I guess he obviously wasn't at an all-time high. But uh, you know what? We're going to go out today on Destination Victoria Station by Johnny Cash, which he made for a restaurant. I guess we'll see if it's any good. <laughs> all right we'll see you next time that's lightning
1: my lobe is her destination Victoria Station where the trains go out trains go out and the trains come in trains go in where the trains go out and the trains come in her daddy's name was Casey she lived down by the track, I know she was born to ramble, but I believe she will ramble back. Destination, Victoria Station, where the trains go out, and the trains come in, where the trains go out.
0: Okay. Uh, obviously not like a maximum effort here. <laughs> trains go out, trains go in. That's what happens at a train station, apparently.
1: <laughs> Destin-